Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of the Faith to Go podcast, your one-stop shop for everything you need to have faith discussions throughout your week with your friends and with your family. My name is David Tremaine, and I'm the digital resource curator for Faith to Go. And I'm Charlotte Pressler, and I'm the youth missioner for the Episcopal Diocese of San Diego. I'm David Jay. I am a member of Good Samaritan Episcopal Church. And welcome back, everybody, to this week's podcast, where we'll be talking about the gospel for the first Sunday of Advent. I can't believe it's this here. This upcoming Sunday, November 27th. And thank you, David J., for being here. Glad to be here to start our new liturgical year and wish everybody a happy new year. David J. and I are connected through Good Sam because I worked there for a while. And he's been there for much longer than I worked there. So he's been going, doing a lot of stuff there, as he'll talk about later in the episode. And uh, so happy to have him here and to hear so many things about, you know, what you're doing in the world. And speaking of that, um, would you share with us a little bit about your ministry context, what you're working on these days? My ministry is as a lay member of the community of Good Samaritan. I am delighted to be, uh, at this point, just kind of a parishioner in the pews. I've, I've served on vestry, I've served on diocesan council, I've had the opportunity to preach a handful of times, and now I'm now I'm just here sitting in church and trying to be present on a Sunday morning. And that actually led to the story that I think I was asked to join to share, which was a couple Sundays ago had uh, an experience where we actually neighbor the property of another church and I watched a woman walk across the parking lot from over there. She knew that we're involved in Interfaith Shelter Network and <laughs> the way she put it, you just do more of those things that a young man who had slept on the street in the neighborhood around us the night before had found his way to, to them that morning. And she had you know, offered him a snack and a resource card with some information, but she felt like she should do more. And so she, she came to us knowing that we might be able to provide guidance on that, which I, which I appreciated. I'm glad to know that that's sort of a mark for, for our community. I, I never quite made it into church that day and, and launched what turned out to be about an eight-hour journey with a young man who's named Nathan. We spent the day trying to access services, and it was a remarkable reminder for me as somebody who has a decent sense of how to navigate the system and how the system works that the system is one thing, but what it actually means for an individual person uh, is So another. good. Amazing. And that kind of maybe goes into our next question, uh, which we like to ask our guests, which is, where did you see or feel God this past week in your life? Really long story of the day. My wife, Jessica, and Nathan and I spent all day trying to find a place for him to be able to come in, be safe, you know, in, in the face of San Diego's housing and homelessness crisis, where last year the county helped get 12,000 people out of homelessness into shelter, and at the end of it, there were 3,000 more people without shelter than when they'd started this process, right? We, we are in this time of incredible displacement because of the cost of housing and, and everything that cascades down from it. Nathan is from Southern California. He, he clearly is, is dealing with, with a variety of mental health challenges. 
this incredibly warm and friendly and appreciative and engaged person from from the moment I walked over and sat down and talked with him. I asked if he was interested in trying to go inside and he said yes and so then we two-on-one is sort of the starting point and eventually got referred to a agency that runs emergency shelter in San Diego that actually was open on a Sunday which is the exception rather than the norm. You know the number of actual beds that are available on any given day is a fraction of what we need in this region. By about two o'clock there was an outside chance that there might be a bed available for him, and we figured rather than wait around and chance it, we'd, we'd just head that way. Uh, we got there and ultimately found out that, that there wasn't a bed available. Everything was full for the day, and so we started to think about what would be next, and, and there just wasn't a place and a space where it felt right to say, all right, well, you're on your own now, and we'll try this again tomorrow and see what happens. We we decided to see if Nathan would feel okay to take a motel for the night. You know, we stopped and got some toiletries and, and some Skittles on the way down and you know, got him set up there. When we left, we sort of figured there was a 50-50 chance that he'd, he'd still be there the following morning. So I got up the next morning. I, I texted the intake guy right away at 7 you know, to start the process over again for, for the second day. Um, headed down, got to the hotel, and, and Nathan wasn't there. And I'm afraid that probably what happened is he got disoriented and just didn't know how to get back. And as I was cruising around looking for him, I got a call from the intake guy, and there was a bed available that night. Yeah, and thank you, David, and and also your wife, Jessica, for you know continuing this conversation, doing a lot of good work in this arena. One of the most significant issues that we're facing in San Diego, those crazy rising house prices. It's almost impossible to find somewhere to live. So if you uh, are ever in a situation where you're looking for resources like David was on this day, either for yourself or for somebody else, you can always call that 211 number uh, using any cell phone or anything you've got access to. Uh, And that's a centralized resource hub that will be able to uh, direct you to where you need to go to the organizations that can help. Thanks for sharing the work you're doing, both individually and kind of on the on the systems level. We'd also love to hear from all of you that are listening. If you would like to share your something about your ministry context, or maybe a God sighting, or something from the gospel, maybe your gospel discussion, a question, comment, or story from this week, we'd love to hear from you. You can find all those ways of getting into contact with us listed in the description for this episode. There's a lot of things you could do. You can leave us a voicemail. You can text us. You can email. Get in contact with us through the website or on Instagram. We'd love to hear from you any time. Now we're going to transition into our conversation about this week's gospel. Again, for this first Sunday of Advent in year A, we're in a new liturgical year. I love how excited you just got about I that. I love great. the changing of the season. So we're excited to get into Matthew's gospel this year, transitioning from Luke's gospel and into this new liturgical season of Advent from this long, long, luxurious soak we've had in ordinary time. <laughs> and so now... We're going to talk about this gospel for this upcoming Sunday, November 27th. Charlotte's going to read it, and then I'll share a little bit of context, and then we'll each share a point. The gospel is Matthew 24, verses 36 to 44. Jesus said to the disciples, But about that day and hour no one knows, neither the angels of heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. 
For as the days of Noah were, so will the coming of the Son of Man. For as in those days before the flood they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day, until the day Noah entered the ark, and they knew nothing until the flood came and swept them all away. So too will be the coming of the Son of Man. Then two will be in the field, one will be taken, and one will be left. Two women will be grinding meal together, one will be taken, and one will be left. Keep awake, therefore, for you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. But understand this, if the owner of the house had known in what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and would not have let his house be broken into. Therefore, you also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an unexpected hour. I am sure that's what everybody was expecting mm-hmm. as we begin the season of Advent. It was a nice apocalyptic gospel from the end of, of the gospel narrative. Fully grown Jesus, talking about the end times, the whole world being destroyed in a flood, and thieves breaking into your home. Mm-hmm. Nothing says Advent. Kind of Grinch-like, I guess. Mm-hmm. You know? Nothing says Advent like the apocalyptic narratives of the Gospels, and that is true. So it's so nice, actually, at the beginning of Advent to be tugged back into reality by the lectionary. Mm-hmm. Yeah. To be like, we're actually about something different than just waiting time for Christmas. We're talking about wakefulness. We're talking about mm-hmm. a liturgical season that has an, in- an invitation to a certain kind of discipline built kind of within it, you know, and asking us, as we've talked about on the podcast before, what are, what are your practices, what are your spiritual practices going to be, you know, as you practice wakefulness, awareness, self-awareness, awareness of systems, awareness of the world, awareness of the people around us, as David shared, awareness of the needs of those that we encounter and don't expect to encounter. Mm-hmm. So we're not talking about this kind of busy hustle bustle, making plans, getting ready. What can I buy? So many people on the list checking it twice kind of situation. We're talking about slowing down. We're talking about getting ready for the end of the world. <laughs> or the birth of Christ. <laughs> and so that's where we are. You know, we're, we're getting ready for something different, something countercultural. And so that's the invitation of this gospel is at the very beginning to be like, hey, we're thinking in a different way here uh, than, the, than you might be the rest of the week, than the rest of the world is telling you how to think and what to do and where to go. Jesus is saying, hey, you know, be aware of when God is emerging into your life. And that's what we're doing as we as we get set for this new liturgical season as we lead up to, to a feast day. And so the other thing to say about the gospel here is kind of nestled right in the middle of some things. First, this is this is coming at the end of the whole of chapter twenty four leading up to this section is a whole bunch of stuff about Jesus telling about the end persecutions things that will come. The destruction of the temple starts off chapter 24, but Matthew's version, we heard Luke's version a couple weeks ago, signs of the end of the age, persecution, the desolating sacrilege, coming of the Son of Man, the lesson of the fig tree, and then this thing about watchfulness. And then three parables leading up to the conclusion of chapter 25, the judgment of the nations. Mm. So these are all the things we you know, think about when we're thinking about December. Right. And uh, this is where we are. Just right tucked in the middle of that is this thing, you know, about being awake, you know, and then Jesus is going to tell some parables about what it means to be awake. And then chapter 26 is is where we're going to transition into the passion narrative. So that's where we are. David has the the first first point. point. Not me. Mm -mm. David J. Is this the first time the podcast has had two Davids? We had David Lance 
from Cincinnati. Oh, that's right. The Shout second, out to the Cincinnati yeah. Youth Group. It's the second appearance of the oh, second David. The second coming of David. But, David J., you have the first point. Mm-hmm. This odd first gospel of the first Sunday of Advent, of which, which reminds us, of course, that the preparation isn't just for the arrival of the baby 2,000 years ago, but is about the fulfillment of the return of the Messiah, right? And, and this admonition to be ready and the reminder in there to not be caught unready to serve when the opportunity presents itself. I keep coming back in this gospel, right? Keep awake, therefore, for you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. My experience with Nathan was was that mandate that we have consistently in the gospel, especially in Matthew's gospel, to be about building up the kingdom in the here and now, because we have the work to do until the return that that Matthew was expecting so so imminently, and that I think sometimes we are unwilling to admit is is out there ahead of us. We get so caught up in what is it that I'm to do that we sometimes lose track of. Our job is is to just keep putting one foot in front of the other, connecting one person to another. When, when the woman walked across our parking lot and sort of explained the situation, the easy piece would be to say, oh, um, well, and here's my best guess for what might be available, and you've, you've already called 211, you know, and go with what they've got. I've got this that I'm supposed to be doing, right? I knew from the outset that the likelihood of finding a, a safe bed that Nathan could be in for the night and actually sort of start to connect to service was was pretty low. It was right to engage. And it was right to sit with him and it was right to put 15,000 steps on for the day walking around because sitting and waiting is anxiety-inducing. And it was right to hear his stories of his travels to Australia when he was a teenager and to Thank you for that, David. I think that as I consider what you are saying, that it really makes me think about perhaps one of my core personality traits and that takes us directly to my point, which is how we get ready. Because as it, well, you may know, because your child Jinx has participated in a lot of diocesan youth programming, um, but certainly David knows because he spends time with me on the podcast each week, and that is that I really enjoy lists and plans. How we get ready is a core tenant of my belief system, right? <laughs> and perhaps perhaps I have occasionally made the joke that my spreadsheet has a spreadsheet, you know, my list has a list, and that all of these things are definitely part of, of the way that I walk in this world. Uh-huh. And so when we get this charge from Jesus, especially as David identified it, about the way that we prepare and the way that we are ready, I start thinking about what I think is important for getting ready, my ideas. And and maybe those are scripturally based. Maybe it is in my journey with Christ that I am able to identify the ways in which I am supposed to walk and be in this world. And maybe I occasionally put my 
own thoughts and opinions in there. And and maybe I rank them in a different order than they should be as to what Jesus is calling me to, right? That, And in fact, total side tangent, but related, is the things that we name are as important that aren't, right? So like we have just hit the season of Advent, and we have this really fun, challenging gospel to talk about today. And we're also in the process in our churches of hanging new things that are either purple or blue, of lighting candles in a specific sequence that we do, and all of those wonderful liturgical things that feed us, and that we also name as a way of getting ready for the birth of Christ. And I wonder if sometimes those things that we think are so important in the church or at home, whether that's getting the gifts purchased and wrapped, as you were talking about in the context section, but all of those things that we name as important and the way that we make plans and get ready, they don't necessarily have anything to do with what God is calling us to and what Jesus is naming as important. And so when you see this gospel, Jesus names it in here. He says they were eating and drinking. They were marrying and being given in marriage. Um, They were grinding the meal together, which just out of curiosity, if one is taken and one is left, does the person that is left, do they have to grind all of the meal? Is that their responsibility because the other person was taken? Mm -hmm. But all of these things that they are doing is the way that they go about their everyday life. And so therefore, we can assume that the ways that we go about our everyday life, caring for our families, going to work, doing our grocery shopping, preparing our meals, that those are all of the things that we have made plans for and that we have decided are part of getting ready. Uh And yet Jesus invites us into a different way of getting ready in this. And it's that relational aspect, which goes back to David's point. It is that way in which we connect with each other, that relational piece that is so important as we consider how we get ready for what we are being called to next, for what is coming and for who is going to be taken, whatever that means, and whoever is going to stay. Because we don't have clarity on what that means. And, And actually, David, I think that that kind of transitions to what you want to talk about. I was thinking as you were as you were talking about this, just about this like term, the Son of Man, which comes from, <clears throat> which De- Jesus is adopting from the book of Daniel, in kind of the in the seventh chapter of the book of Daniel. Daniel's having this apocalyptic vision, and the vision of the one one like a Son of Man or a human being descending from a cloud is meant to be kind of like the the like salvation of the world where this coming of the son of man is going to like rearrange the world order so that these oppressive terrible terrifying persecuting kingdoms will like fall away and then this one like humans will reign kind of like like god's reign will will be here and then this kingdom of heaven then is like an is actually here on earth you know and so i'm i'm thinking about that and like jesus Jesus taking on this, this kind of making it kind of like a title or like thinking about this, this reality, this apocalyptic reality. And then thinking about how we're, you know, we're claiming that like Jesus's emergence into the world is like the ushering in, as John will say next week, the ushering in of this kingdom of heaven. But Jesus is also saying like, we have a part in this ushering of the kingdom of heaven, you know, and the work's not just going to be done for us. Part of that is being aware of what we're doing, bringing some awareness to our actions, 
the thing is like as he as he goes on to to tell these parables it's like there's something about like the content of that awareness that we need to be also aware of <laughs> we need to be like intentional um, about what we're doing and and how we're building this kingdom of heaven a kingdom of heaven that is not this kind of like ethereal otherworldly thing but a thing that happens here and now you know hopefully on earth and is real and tangible and so it's interesting to me could be because the first parable he tells after this is about these a household servant that is left with with kind of the the head of the household's resources right and charged with like giving out the resources to the people within the household that need them as they have need and Jesus says and you really wouldn't want to be this household servant and be using up all these resources for yourself you know and hurting the other people in the household just using all these things to like get drunk and have parties and whatever when the head of the household comes back like you would not want to be that person and he has some graphic imagery for what happens yes. to this person boilers they get chopped up and thrown into the outer darkness and weep that's intense yes it's real intense and so the idea that jesus follows up this thing about being awake being watchful being ready with a parable about what the content of that readiness is, which is about sharing your the resources you've been given, is an indication that it's not just about our own kind of personal piety. This is not a thing about, well, as long as, as God, I, God finds me worthy in all my individual actions, then I'll be the one either taken or left. Who knows which one is better? Do you have to clean up or do you not have to clean up? Which one? I know. I don't know. Do you have to finish plowing the field? Is that good? I have no idea. You get the things in the field, twice as much for you. Mm -hmm. I have no idea. Anyway, the point is that um, as, David's, as David got into in his point, thinking past our kind of personal plan making, thinking even beyond these kind of this beautiful awareness of God's presence in people that are emerging into our lives, thinking beyond that too, as he said, the systems that create the environment for people to not have enough, to not have what they need. And realizing that part of being awake is doing something countercultural with what we've been given. And so I am just struck by this first parable right after this. This is a highly contextual point since we're not actually ever going to hear this parable. Maybe later in, in Matthew's in the in year A, I don't know, but just the idea that like Jesus follows up this thing about wakefulness, about the end times, you know, about being ready, about the apocalypse, whatever, with this idea that like you don't want to be the person that has been given much and hasn't shared any of it. And that that is the kind of thrust of the thing, that we have to become aware of our interconnectedness to one another, to the fact that when there is a housing crisis, it's not because... 8,000 people aren't living the right way. Mm. It's because millions of people aren't living the right way. Living, we're not living in a way that creates an environment for everybody to have what they need. And so that's on all of us. That's on everybody. And we don't want to be those people when God emerges in the world. Because that's going to make us really uncomfortable. Mm. And we'll be in the weeping and gnashing of teeth place. We don't want that. So like, what are we doing how are we being aware? How are we bringing awareness to what we have, to what people need, to the fact that when people are in need and suffering, we should be feeling that suffering. 
unless everyone is okay, no one is okay. And the kingdom of heaven does not exist as long as people don't have what they need here, tangibly on earth. So that's what I'm taking into week one of Advent from Jesus this year. And David, I think that for me, as I was listening to you talk, I was seeing the circle close because where David J. started um, with his lived experience and his connection to the gospel and then traveled through mine about personal responsibility and then into yours, um, takes us right back to the fact that how would the story that David J. and Nathan experienced in Jessica just this last week, how would that story have been different if society was different, if there actually were resources, if there was, um, I mean, the, the powerful nature of the lack of a bed for someone who is who knows how to navigate the system like David does, and that they still could not get to a place where this person had a bed mm-hmm. for the night, names the way in which the system is broken. Mm-hmm. Like it's broken or it is it is taxed beyond its ability to succeed. Mm-hmm. It's broken. Yeah. Those are our three points for this week. Point number one was David Jay's point. Both being uh, awake and aware of these one-on-one interactions that we're having, but also knowing that that if we stop there, we're not affecting the systems, you know, that create the situ- that create those situations, uh, and that we have we can affect those systems for for a better world. Uh, number two was uh, Charlotte's, and it was about being aware of our plans and what we're planning, and that. Uh, you know, to bring our our awareness beyond those plans, you know, to know that God is going to emerge in the world in unexpected ways, in between where we expect God to, in between our planning, and interrupt those plans probably. And number three was mine, and it was, you know, thinking within the context of this story to this larger section of the gospel and this parable that Jesus tells afterwards, you know, pushing people to think about their awareness and to fill that conscious awareness with this with this drive to share what they have. You know, that that it's not just being awake and aware, but doing something with your awareness, having some sort of activity. So that's what we're taking into our first week of Advent for this new liturgical season in year A. Thank you to David J. for being here. Appreciate your witness and your stories. I'm, I'm so thankful for, for these ongoing conversations, and I'm excited to hear the continuing conversations as as we go forward. Thanks all. Thinking about what David shared uh, and the work that he is doing and so many people are doing in the diocese, there are a lot of opportunities at the upcoming Good News Festival, uh, the weekend of the 9th and 10th, specifically on Saturday the 10th, to take part in this larger conversation. There'll be workshops about uh, housing insecurity and the housing crisis uh, led by those um, the people doing that work in the diocese. Uh, and David, you want to tell people more about that? One of the pieces that I think is important in those one-on-one connections in our work with individuals is that we're called to that because we are relational. But if, if we just end with the person-to-person and we don't address the systems of injustice, then we're only getting so far. And at the end of the day, Nathan had spent the day with us. He knew that, that that we cared, that there was somebody saw him for who he was, 
somebody who appreciated the same Miyazaki he did, right? But that's incomplete when we know that every day the number of people in San Diego who don't have a safe place to sleep is swelling because the cost of housing is just prohibitive at this point, right? And that broader piece of how do we work for systems of justice is what has me so excited for the chance to hear, really, I think, the the core messages of our two preachers, right? It starts with love, and I'm quite confident that the presiding bishop will say it with more grace than me. And it is about our responsibility to stand up as the moral voice and say the systems that we've built aren't fair, are not equitable, are not the justice that we preach every Sunday. They are not reflective of the infant arriving in the dark as the new light, and certainly not reflective of the kingdom that we proclaim. So to link those two powerful preachers together is to me the exciting part of the chance to gather together and and to be renewed in this time of Advent, in this time of preparation. What better way to prepare ourselves than to totally embed ourselves in love and in that stand up and say, we're going to be committed to what is right. Uh, If you want to check out all those offerings for the Good News Festival, plus find out when we're going to be doing our live recording on December 10th, all those national and local uh, workshop leaders that will be leading things, you can check out all the information about the Good News Festival at thegoodnewsfestival.com. You can also reserve your seat today. It's coming up, so better get it in now. We'll be back to talk about the gospel for Advent 2 in year A next week. And until then, we say goodbye. Goodbye, Goodbye, everybody. everybody.